internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and there's no such thing as too much ketchup. With me is... <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I always mix up necromancy and narcolepsy. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Sarah, and I've never had a working lava lamp. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. I mean, that's so tragic, but so good. <laughs> I think it is tragic. I've never seen the magic bubbles work. Oh my god. <laughs> this is the show where we <laughs> wander <laughs> We wander around Wikipedia uh, searching for interesting facts completely by accident. So we all start on the same page. And we click around until we find something that is so irresistibly interesting we can't stop reading it. And we bubble with excitement. Not sorry, I don't know why I chose those words. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like Sarah's lava lamps. I'm like Sarah's lava lamps. <laughs> to share the excitement with all of you. Uh, today we started out on robots, I believe. Yes. We sure did. Yes. Where did we end up? I ended up on one of my passions, one of my many passions. What what passion was this one? This particular one is called augury, or others may know it as ornithomancy. Yeah, ornithomancy. Wow, wow. Where did you end up? Did you end up somewhere magical too? I ended up on something called the Doomsday Book. Oh, (laughs) you know I love a good gloomy book. (laughs) <laughs> that is sick. You guys, today is metal so far. <laughs> uh, Fuck us up, Sarah. I landed on uh, the death of Socrates and how wild that ride was. Wow. Oh my God. So I mine is also ancient Greece. <gasps> yes. Okay, brilliant. That is so weird that we went there from robots. Yeah, well, I guess robots kind of have that, like, this kind of philosophical idea of getting something to do the hard yards for you. It's pretty cool. Well, before we, before we dive in though, we got to do question of the week, which I'm dying to hear what your questions of the week answers are. So this week's question is if you could ask one question and have it answered with a hundred percent certainty, what question would you ask? Drew, hit me with your question. (laughs) So I, (laughs) I had two goals in answer in, in asking this question. Mm-hmm. The first goal is I didn't want to fuck up my life, so I didn't want to ask something like, "Oh, when am I gonna die?" Because oh, then you can't you know, know that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, you can't know that. And then two, what was my second goal? I completely forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to get a an answer that wasn't just like complete nonsense. So I w- like I wouldn't ask something like, "What's the meaning of life?" Because you never you'd get something like. Forty-two, and be like, yeah, yeah, and you'd have like you you wouldn't gain anything from that. Yeah. So, um, I my question is, which religion or belief system is the most correct? Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. So and you know, still leaves so many questions because it's like, how correct? How correct? <laughs> yeah, imagine if the answer is just Satanism. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, oh, okay, okay, oh, all right. 
That's really cool. I wonder what the answer would be. Because if it's an, a religion or a belief system, I guess like being agnostic or being an atheist is the belief system of non-beliefs. So that, yeah. that could also be an answer. Yeah. And but that's... like, what if, what if this all-knowing being is like Mormonism, which is what ha- I don't know if you remember that episode of <laughs> South Park saying it <laughs> die and then Jesus it's so fun. somebody in heaven is like the answer is the Mormons <laughs> <laughs> but like you know what if this all-knowing being tells you that's the answer but you don't know like how correct Mormonism is yeah you know like, like with the way that percentage? you ask your question <laughs> Like, most correct could mean that, like, everyone is super wrong, and that's just, like, the one on the top of the pile. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> They're all 0%, and it's all just, like, stacked up, and they just happen to be the top. Yeah, that, that's very yeah. true. But I feel like that'd be fun. It'd be, like, a really fun. I don't, I don't have too much of a dog in that race, so, you know, uh, whatever, I, whatever answer I get, I'd be like, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be neat. You you wouldn't though, because then everything you do, you'd be like, mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'd probably still be the little heretic that I am. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'd be like, mm, I liked my answer better. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Lindsay, what question of all questions would you need answered? <laughs> Who killed Kennedy? Oh, that was that was one of mine. <gasps> Stop it! Yes. yes, who killed Kennedy? Was it a big conspiracy? Was there a shooter from the lawn? Like, we gotta know. Sarah! Was it a Sarah, s- that took me days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so mine was either who killed Kennedy or it was what happened to Amelia uh, Earhart. Like where did oh she, my God, where did she end up? Yeah, because there's all those mi- uh, myths and theories that she ended up on a tropical island with, um, you know, indigenous people of the island, and they took her in. Um, but there's no proof of that. But I, I don't like the idea that she just fell from the sky and landed in the ocean. She's more badass than that. I thought her shoe washed up recent, not recently, maybe like twenty years ago. I thought pe- people found her shoe. Oh, did they? Let me Google that. <laughs> those are so good because literally mine was gonna be like what's the reason what's the purpose of life and whatever but like similarly to you drew i was like maybe that would be a bad one and then i was like <laughs> i was like i'm gonna dazzle them with my answer <laughs> <laughs> it was a dazzle but because i feel like if so you know i love a good conspiracy theory um but you know how there's all those theories that this it was a hit by the cia and you know he was getting too liberal and and what whatever else like, what would you do if the knowledge was it it wasn't just a, a crazy, crazy man with a gun? I don't know. Like what aliens? <laughs> it was an inside going, job. Yeah, I, I he was did thinking, it himself. I was thinking more like it was an inside job. <laughs> but <laughs> aliens could be the answer as well. Who knows? Who knows? Who's to say? <laughs> It could be both. It could be that it was aliens and an inside job. Oh, my God. I don't think I ever told you guys that I have been asked out by not one, 
but two individuals who believe in shape-shifting lizard aliens running the government. You attract huh. a, a very certain type, Lindsay. <laughs> is it me or is it OK Cupid? No, it's probably okay, it's Cupid. okay, Cupid. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your answer right there. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so, should we should we take that philosophical tangent and jump back to where we ended up this week? So, what did we end yeah. up? Was it Augury, the Book of mm-hmm. Doom, and then the death of Socrates? Should we do a little like yeah. ancient Greek sandwich? Put Drew in the middle there. I'm cool with that. I think we should. Yeah. Do you want... I think, and I think it's been a while since you've gone first, Sarah. Yes, it has been. I thought I went yeah. first last week, but I, I will happily go first again. I'll, I don't remember, but I just really <laughs> want to hear you talk because I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you too. Yeah, I, I can talk. Okay, so we can dive into the death of Socrates. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay, so we're... Wait, 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 wait. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Before we do this... Can you just give me some road signs or byways? What did you pass on the way here? I just oh. want to do a quick comparison. Yeah. Um. Because I took a detour into Luigi's mansion, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure you did it. <laughs> oh my god! I I did not take a detour to Luigi's mansion. Let <laughs> Let me find out. Let me find out where we went. Because I, I'm telling you guys, we were close. I read like half of a paragraph of the plot of Luigi's Mansion because I didn't know it. Oh, Oh, you were close. You were close to having to report on Luigi's Mansion. I was so close by our arbitrary rules. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh man. Somehow from Luigi's Mansion, I got into like like Renaissance guilds. Like, what? Yeah, I was like, what is a guild? What is what, that? What happens in there? Yeah, what, what are you doing over there? <laughs> guilds are really cool. I like, I, th- I think of them in like video games and, and like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? what's it called? Um, what's it called? D&D, bloody hell. Like, I think That's of the, the, yeah, secret, the secret guilds. It's all, yeah. Okay, I'm searching my history. Oh, yes, yes. I went on a bit of a wild tour. Okay, so I went from Robot to Uncanny Valley. Um, I forget what <gasps> oh, Uncanny... I wish you stopped there. I forget oh. what Uncanny Valley was. That is where oh, I like to live. Un- oh, yes. So Uncanny Valley, I almost stopped here, but I didn't want to just go one click. One um, click, but yeah. Maybe, maybe I can cover it. In another episode but the uncanny valley is basically we have as humans um a level of comfortableness with things that look like us so we're kind of comfortable with mannequins as long as they don't look too much like us um but we get this uh, things that look way too like much like us or that mimic human behavior but we know they're not human makes us very very uncomfortable and so yeah. when designing robots or <laughs> they talked a little bit about like sex bots, you need them to look <gasps> not as human as you would think you want them to look because otherwise it makes people very uncomfortable. 
Right, like you need some indication that this is still fake. Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> so I, I, I love that. yeah, jumped off at Uncanny Valley. Um, I went into like, oh, I think I went into um, Frankenstein. Um, yeah, Frankenstein, and then Mary Shelley, and then I did like a little dip into all sorts what oh my god I it's so true that all roads ride. lead to rome all roads lead to greece all roads lead to greece whether your road is luigi's mansion or the uncanny valley through the uncanny valley yeah like we all end up <laughs> i ended up going so the way i got straight to socrates was i went to um i clicked on the page for demon because demon wasn't always a negative contact it's it, it's also derived from a greek word and it didn't mean like an anti-god or it didn't mean something negative back in the day but now it does and then i right. went to plato and then I was reading about most of the stuff we know because of Socrates is directly because of Plato because he wrote it all down. Yeah. Socrates mm-hmm. was a bit of a um, he was a bit of a shit admin. He never wrote down any of his notes or any of his thoughts. So if we didn't have Plato and some of the other students, we literally would have no idea about this man's life. And then I, I and then I had no idea that Socrates was technically put to execution so that's when that's when I started my reading because I was like wow I had no idea that like when I think of philosophers I think of Socrates and Plato and Aristotle right. and I don't think of their deaths which is really right really interesting that that's awesome Sarah. so yeah so why don't we go from there yeah that's that seems like the right place to, to pick up the narrative so what what else did you learn that was so um gripping to keep you on the page yeah so i think we got to go back about 2500 ish years we got to put ourselves in this idea of living in you know ancient greece with the the insane like beautiful kind of i was gonna say parade but it's not a parade it's like a the culture of you you worship very many gods different gods for different things there's a hierarchy Mm. in society um, based on wealth, which I guess there, there certainly still is, but it was yeah. very, very pronounced um, back then. And this man, so Socrates, he didn't come from an extremely wealthy background. And normally back in the day, it was you could only be educated or be a thinker if you had money. And, you know, it's still kind of like, is that in the 21st century? You need to be able to afford to educate yourself, which we're trying to change. But it was amazing that this normal man went from basically just being a humble, a humble middle class person from a very, you know, middle class family where his mom was a windwife, his dad was a carpenter. He went off and became a soldier. And then he realized that he had all of these, these thoughts of, you know, what is my higher meaning and what is the meaning to my life and who am I as a person? And what I thought was really cool about him was he was basically he understood like the concept of loving someone for their soul rather than their physical appearance so a lot of his belief system was you the 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 bit that makes a person interesting is not the bit you can see it's their thoughts and it's the way they express themselves and so he was um 
So he was married for many years and had children, but he was also reportedly um, very fluid in his sexuality as well. So he had many affairs with younger um, younger men and women who he would teach and he would say that it was because of their mind that he was attracted to them, not because of their, their gender. Um, which I don't know if that would fly in my marriage, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I'm remembering all of the like bastardizations of open relationships I've seen throughout my life in liberal arts colleges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but good. yeah, whatever works, whatever works for for you. And I think yes. he had that that <laughs> understanding of, you know, it's even though religion, their religion was very different to probably the the very streamlined Christian religion that is in most of the world now, where you're meant to just get married and that's your one person type of thing. Um, yeah, so he, he had that kind of open mind, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, so he after he got back from being a soldier, he began working as a sculptor. And this is kind of where he started to have those thoughts about what makes a person a person because he was sculpting these like classically beautiful Athenians of, you know, the perfect proportions muscles they were perfect soldiers or perfect women or whatever it was and he he started to think about that that higher being that idea of i think we talked about in a previous episode of like you want to be your genius your genius isn't yeah the genius Yeah. yeah and so he had some really really cool philosophies and he taught all over athens so he didn't have a set teaching ground he'd wander around you know basically talking to the youth and he lived for a really long time. So when he died, he was 70 years old, which 2,500 years ago is an incredible, like what a decent age to get to. Yeah. Um, so he did live a very long time being, being a philosopher. Um, but his downfall was that even though he was a philosopher and he was very much questioning the idea of the meaning of life or the meaning of your life and the meaning of knowledge... Um, and he was a big proponent for a wise man or a wise person. In this case, when I say man, just a human, a wise person knows that they don't know everything. Like they know that they are naive in certain things. Mm-hmm. And the way he would teach is uh, he would ask questions of his students and of his patrons. So he wouldn't just say, you know, here's my, f- you know, this is the answer to this or this is my my ethical answer to, to whatever. He would ask a question about it and get them to draw their own conclusions on what they thought their morality gave them the answer to. So it might be, you know, should should people be allowed to choose their own death? Something like that. And instead of saying, you know, well, ethically or morally, this is what I think, he would not give any opinions and let them draw their own conclusions and then have a discussion with them about their they're either similar or different beliefs so it was very much like teaching 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 a person to fish rather than just telling them like giving them a fish that's excellent yeah yeah mm-hmm. so he was that's like that sounds like the foundations of of sort of philosophy i mean i i don't know anything about philosophy maybe i've just said something really obvious but <laughs> no well he was basically the founding father of these modern philosophies that we think of when we tend to think of like Plato and Aristotle because they were they were all students of his 
Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's amazing because even though he was very very wise and he lived in a society that worshipped many different deities and gods, he himself started to refer to gods and this idea of a higher being as just one centralized idea which is quite Mm. funny now because if you ask the majority of the world who does who is religious they would give you like a a name or a deity it's you know the the idea of just one god but back then this was crazy because why would you have one god when you could have a bazillion (laughs) one for each thing farming (laughs) is super different from well, actually, I have no idea because I do think they're all really... <laughs> I can't even come up with it. Farming is super different than... Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> farming is related to everything. <laughs> farming is different from, like, stone carving? I don't know, sculptures? It's not. It, but it is, though. They I guess might it is have a, a skill. Yeah. No, what? <laughs> they both have a pick. <laughs> I, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they both use their hands. Like, come on. What do you... <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking like that. Drew, we're all connected. I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. I'll I'll, oh I'll let my, it fly. Oh, my God. I'll let it slide. I'll just, I'll, ju- I'll just stay over here with the amazing Greek philosophers with my ideas then. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. He got executed for his ideas. So his idea was, yeah, referring to like one God being in charge of of everything. And I'm not sure whether he believed it was a literal higher being or if it was very much, um, for anyone who knows a little bit about Einstein, who was brought up very religious, um, he would often refer to a God as in being existence in the universe itself. This idea mm. of you know the creator is the universe type of thing so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if if socrates kind of had that that understanding or if he legitimately had like there is a higher being but whatever so he was he was proponing for this this is one of those moments i'm sorry no no I, you go i'm sorry that this is one of those moments that like if people do have opinions like i really do want to hear them Ooh. you know like on, on twitter or like tiktok like I don't, I don't know like this is one of those things that I feel like is outside the breadth of all of our knowledge and it would be really interesting to know yeah just I guess some of the mechanisms that people believed in back then yeah or if or what you believe in now because I I'm not religious but I grew up going to a Catholic school but in that school we we had like study of religion so we learned about all different religions and that's awesome it was really cool because it was more like a like a history class learning about you know how all the abrahamic religions stem from each other and you know what what type of religions are very similar in where where their philosophy came from and what ones are different and i always thought it was fascinating because i don't particularly identify with any any of them but what resonates with different people because I think if I had to pick mm-hmm. one, it would probably be Buddhism would be the closest thing to what I might identify with. This is with. coming back to the original question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which one's right? Which one's right? Which one's right? Yeah. 
Um, I can't wait to change your mind with Augury. You're going to be like, I know that's not a religion, but now that's my religion. Okay. I'm keen. I'm keen. Um, well, sorry. We've had a long-winded... Poor guy. He got killed because he was going around. So basically, he was arrested for... Um, what is that term when you go against a religion? What is it when you're... Blaspheming? Yeah, basically. Blasphemy. That's it. Um, but... Is it? I think so. I think in I think that's yeah, blasphemy. I think that's the Catholic thing. But basically that, but in ancient Greece. So he was going against the taught religions and he was being a bad boy according to them. And so he was arrested by um, a government and was put on trial, but it was during the time where Greece had just like lost a huge war. Um, and they were down many, many people and workers and human power and it was not a good time because the war had pretty much destroyed their their sense of um what is it their sense of like stability in Mm -hmm. the greek powers and so the government changed quite rapidly and he was released from prison and so that was a win for him until uh, a few years later he was arrested again by the new government this time not for talking about one god but for basically disrupting the minds of the youth in athens that was their like a corruption corrupting the children yeah exactly okay well he was also sleeping around a bunch which i'm sure did not help his reputation probably not <laughs> i don't know i don't know if that affected him well, you're I sleeping don't... with everyone and giving them thoughts <laughs> <laughs> stop making i was gonna make think. a joke about bennington but i'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so he's corrupting everyone, left and right. I feel like maybe slander was the word we were, maybe not. Maybe slander, he was, yeah, he was basically, he was just, he basically was having free speech, and they didn't (laughs) like that. He was basically having free speech. (laughs) (laughs) They did not like that. So, yeah, they didn't like it. They popped him in jail and they had a trial. And what I thought was so epic is that the trials back in this this time, so this was about uh, 400 BC, um, they would have about 500 jurors on the trial. So 500 people had to make a decision about a person's guilt or innocence, which I think is a much better system than 12 because you get, like, if we're just talking statistically and you want a nice Gaussian of opinions, 12 ain't going to do go. it. <laughs> Are these jurors normally distributed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just take the majority rules vote. Whereas instead of the unanimous vote that we do now. Um, so the vote... It obviously didn't go very well in his favor, but it was pretty, pretty dang close. So I think the vote was, it was 280 votes against him and 120 votes um, in his favor. So it was pretty, pretty close, um, but it wasn't enough to let him save his life. So he was sentenced to death. And as this was happening, um, there was riots going around the city. So it was a really turbulent time because normally if you were sentenced to death, um, it was not like the 
the death penalty system at the moment in many of the US states where you might sit on death row for many decades, if not ever, um, meeting your sentence. Whereas back in ancient Greek times, it was you were sentenced to death, good luck, you had no appeals, it was basically within a couple weeks, goodbye. Um, which is wild but because of all these riots that were happening there were some delays in this so there was like a month or two delay where all of his students and all of his patrons were visiting him and saying look we're going to try bribe the guards we're going to cause a riot like we're going to get you out and he really patiently was just like no no i do i'm not against the athenian system like i have been convicted so i will die that is fine yeah and they're like bruh we will break you out of here we will get you on the run and he said no he did not want a bar of it and so Hmm. yeah so he he ended up dying by drinking um a potion of i forget what the the name is hold on let me find it hemlock that's it hemlock yeah hemlock (gasps) poisoning which is like a rare it's a really pretty plant but really, really poisonous if you make it up. So basically he had to drink forbidden tea um, and it paralyzes you. So you you just kind of go paralytic until your heart stops beating. But apparently as he was dying, because all of his students um, and followers were watching, um, shortly before he died, he said, my soul has left my body. Like, don't worry about me anymore. Wait, but I hate that. Because that's, that's what people on Twitter say when something funny happens. <laughs> He's in his jail cell, like, oh my god, my soul has literally left my body. He might have said it in that, like, in not a meaningful way, just in a, like, this is so fucked up. My soul has literally died. <laughs> This is so fucked up that, like, even my soul has left my body. (laughs) It's checked out. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, that's it. That's my main man, Socrates. I just, I had, I thought it was fascinating because I had no idea that he was put to death for his thinking. And I think it's fascinating because a lot of what he thought about and proposed was very secular in today's views. The idea of, you know, having one God is very much many people who are religious tend to believe in one deity now. So that's not crazy. And then the idea of just educating the youth into critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. It's crazy. But yeah, that that's my segment. That's very, I mean, what's also so interesting is like, how many times have people been persecuted for the opposite? Like, you know, in such a Christianity-dominated like world, like, how many times has, has polytheism been the reason that people have been persecuted? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or even just <laughs> believing in a slightly different God that stemmed from the exact same origin. But, yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, I think, I think it's very fascinating, the religion in general. I think it is very philosophical. And yeah. So do you think though that at the end he was a little bit dramatic? Oh yeah. <laughs> if you're getting put to death in front of all your friends and family, you want to do a good show, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Especially my ancient Greece. Literally left my it was all about like the theoretic uh, theoretics, 
Ooh, theatric. The- <laughs> oh, Theatrics? Yeah, that word. Theatrics. Thera- <laughs> the- <theatrics>, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Sarah, I want to see you spell that word I so badly. Like- I can't spell that word. I can't. There's no rat in it. <laughs> I love it. Theatrics. Uh, so they're very theatrical. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was gonna say. I won't try say it again. Oh no. <laughs> oh, Sarah. <laughs> but I also want. So you said, who did you say wrote all of this? Like, who recorded all of this? Um, all of his students. So big one was Plato and Xenophon wrote wrote a lot of it and also wrote plays about his life as well so a lot of plays and the the theater shows were written (laughs) theatrics yeah that word (laughs) (laughs) right well shall we move on from death and hemlock and go Go to, to doom, to doom, doom book. Go to the doomsday book. Yeah, yeah the, tell guys, me about the so doomsday dark book today. <laughs> it's been that type of week. Okay, okay, bring us, bring us down, Drew. Bring <laughs> us to doom, doom. Okay, okay, okay. So it took me five clicks to get to the doomsday book, and that's mighty um, quick. Mighty quick. Um, I went from like autom- like old automation to. The Black Plague, and from the Black Plague to the Doomsday Book. Um, oh so God, first, you didn't even need Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I need to cover about the Doomsday Book is the spelling of the Doomsday Book. So yep. the Doomsday Book is spelled D-O-M-E-S-D-A-Y because it comes from Middle English, and <gasps> the direct translation to Modern English is D-O-O-M-S. So it is, in fact, the Doomsday Book, even though it may be spelled a little differently. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I have a feeling that I have been on this rabbit hole when I was looking <laughs> at the Book of Wonder. The Book of Wonder. Oh yeah. I'm so keen. Okay, okay. Give me. Okay. Give me some doom. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess. What's in the Doomsday Book? What do you think is in the Doomsday Book? I, if I'm remembering right, if it was the one I looked at, is it a census of England, basically? Yeah, ruined the joke. <laughs> But I was gonna guess. Oh my god! I was gonna guess medieval bunkers. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Oh <laughs> uh, god! I was like, well, actually, no. You're a hundred percent right. It's it's the first census <laughs> ever no, no, conducted. No, no, do it, do it. You practiced your well. Actually, I know, I know you did. Do it. Go on. Well, actually. The oh Doomsday God. Book. I can hear you taking off your glasses. <laughs> Just whip around. Well, actually. Well, actually. Uh, <laughs> doctor to doctor, actually. <laughs> uh, so, so the Doomsday Book is the recorded manuscript of the Great Survey um, in which William I, or William the Conqueror, requested a survey of every shire in England and Wales. And so he sent out his, his forces to go survey all of England and Wales to really figure out how he could tax the shit out of it. 
And yep. so that was the first census. <laughs> <laughs> so this was conducted in 1086, which is like, blew my mind that the first census was 1086. But yeah, that's yeah amazing. so as I said, the main purpose was to determine what taxes had been owed during the reign of Edward the Confessor, which is the previous king. And so he really wanted to figure out kind of what land he owned. And he also wanted to figure out how the hell can I tax people? And he so that's why he sent out money. his people. Yeah, he wanted to really assess where his power lay and after the redistribution of the land following the Norman Conquest. So the interesting part, the interesting part to me about the Doomsday Book was that the estimations were, were, and I quote from Wikipedia, dispositive and without appeal. So, what does that mean? <laughs> so dispositive means that basically if they say you live in this area, you live there. And without <laughs> appeal being... If you if they say you like you live there you live there and if they say this is how much you're going to be taxed you have no recourse against that it's like oh that's how wow. much you're going to be taxed. Wow. So wait, so could you could you write down like people's names you hated <laughs> no, in a was... higher tax area? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this hey. was the king's. Go on. Oh, I was going to say, can we go on a little side side tangent on how bizarre yes. the idea of a kingdom ship is? Like that just someday one rich guy was like, yes, I too am next to God. This is mine. And all of a sudden he owned a bloody country. Like, yeah. Wild. I mean, when I've, I've heard stories that like when the First Nations people interacted with like the colonizers, they straight up laughed in the colonizers face when they were talking about owning land. They're like, how can you how own, can you own land? this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, I wish I would have just laughed them right out of the. I agree. Out of the yeah. land. Yeah, they were like, "That's like owning the sky. How can you do that?" And now I'm like, "When are we gonna try owning the sky next?" Yeah, <laughs> pretty so soon. People pretty are already soon. bloody um, with the mega constellations. You can basically own a specific orbit. Yeah, that's a very that's a very true point. Like fucking Starlink. Starlink. I hope we live Gross. long enough to see the world either burn or succeed past this capitalist hell that we live in. <laughs> 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 All right. So the name Doomsday uh, came into use in the 12th century. Uh, a author, Richard Fitzneil, wrote he wrote about the accounting process of the central government, which is called Exchequer, which, <laughs> which I found very funny. <laughs> Um, did you giggle, like a mic giggle to yourself? Sounds like a Microsoft product. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Exchequer. Um, but he wrote specifically that the book is metaphorically called by the native English Doomsday, i.e. the Day of Judgment, for as the sentence mm. of the strict and terrible last account cannot be evaded by any skillful, sub skillful subterfuge, so when this book is applied to um, i'm sorry when this book is appealed to on those matters which it contains its sentence cannot be quelled sorry its sentence cannot be quashed or set aside with impunity this is why we have called the book the book of judgment not because it contains decisions on various difficult points but because decisions like those of the last judgment are unalterable wow so <laughs> so what i found very interesting is doom didn't have any sort of negative connotation back then in in Middle English, it had no negative connotation. It was purely just judgment. Hence, doomsday oh. being the day of judgment. And so, oh shit! 
So we have in modern English applied this sort of negative connotation to doom, but, but doom back then did not mean what it means now. So it just purely is just judgment. And so that, that I found very, very interesting. And uh, like the last judgment, all assessments are final. That's it. That's all you get. That's it. Give me your money. That's it. Give me your money. <laughs> and, wow. um, and so no survey of this magnitude was conducted until 1873. So it took, it took a quite a long time before, you know, anyone even thought about doing this again. They're just like, that was, that was a lot. So <laughs> well, that, that was a lot. lot. That Let's sucked. Not that. Let's not do that again. The census sucks. So did you say like 800 years later? Basically, yes. They're like, uh, wow. I guess, guess we should see what's up. It was, uh, and it was literally called the Modern Doomsday. So, yep, it was called the Modern Doomsday. So, the composition of the of the Doomsday book was the Little Doomsday and the Great Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Little Doomsday. So, the Little Doomsday itself was actually um, much smaller in scale, and so it, it only. Uh, surveyed a very small area or very few areas I should say and um, but was very very detailed about the survey and so they like they got specifically how many heads of cattle there were and you know all this like extraneous information about oh my people God. was there someone literally counting sheep yeah probably wow. <laughs> and so wow. they had all this like ridiculous information about a very small area and then the great doomsday they kind of realized well shit we can't do that again because that sucked oh. and so <laughs> they, they recorded um the rest of the areas that were not touched in a little doomsday and did it in much much uh far that not much greater but much fewer detail i guess that's the word no that's not how you say that like broader much, strokes yes yeah much less detail that's the word i'm looking for okay um they recorded it in much less detail and were just generally um, a little less detailed about all the little tiny nitpick things that you could possibly get in the little doomsday. So I just found that very interesting that they had those two, those two different little, uh, the, the differences in the doomsday book. Yeah, and you probably, you might not know the answer to this, but Lucy. I would be so intrigued to know if things like, oh, sorry, Sarah. Oh, sorry. I'm shushing Lucy. Sorry. She's having a cry. Oh. So sorry. Oh, so no. Please go back to scheduled programming. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, she misses her daddy. <laughs> Simon, if you're listening to this, you monster. <laughs> How could you leave your daughter like this? <laughs> Simon, your baby's crying. <laughs> Simon, it's doomsday. <laughs> I was I was literally gonna ask Drew. Um, I was literally gonna ask. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said it. What like, are figuratively going to ask me? I, I think emotionally what I'm trying to ask you right now. <laughs> um, maybe, you, maybe you actually don't know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm curious if these records have made it to things like um, like digitized in the way that people who are like on Ancestry.com or something like that, like who are tracing their lineage, um, could trace it this far back. It is on the internet right now. It is 100% <gasps> on the internet right now. You could look up the doomsday right now. Oh my God. So if people, okay. So if people think that they may have come from England that long ago, actually Drew, isn't your family like pretty English? Yeah. Uh, part of my family is, yes. 
Yeah. I'm I'm That's... mega English. I traced I used ancestry.com. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um mega mega English on I traced my mum's side back to uh I think it was like the fifteen or the fourteen hundreds, but I need to <gasps> keep going with it. But it just keeps finding records. It's amazing. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, found out a heap of like convicts. Um, like we had a couple of convicts on my mum's side that came over in the very first <gasps> shipment of the. That's how you got to, to Australia. To Australia, yep. yeah. And oh my god! <laughs> and then Sarah, also, that is so fucking metal. In that metal, um, I thought it was really cool. And then what was even cooler was I found some criminal records from like, like yeah, fifteen, sixteen hundreds where, um. You know, some people had been uh, arrested for stealing a duck. Um, one person <gasps> had been um, arrested for not paying board. But in his defense, like I found some defense record where it says Mr. Whatever his name was, went out for the night and just forgot to leave his his shilling or whatever it was for the housekeeper. But she got him arrested. Um, Whoa. It that's, was, yeah, that's harsh. Pretty, pretty sad. It did not sound like good living conditions back then wow but yeah i so should that's keep why going your family ended up in australia was because of um yeah why like some why hotels? some of them did yeah so some on my mum's side definitely they came over um for like being convicts and then some of them opted to migrate over and then on my dad's side all of my dad's family came over when they did the 10 pound pom trip which was in the 60s for 10 pounds, which is probably like 20 bucks, $25, you could get your way to Australia and they started a whole new wow. life for you. Wow. Yeah, bargain, That's right? Real bargain. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I would be so intrigued to know if maybe on your mom's side you could go this far back. Yeah. Doomsday. I might give it a go and I can update. That'd be great. That's really cool. That's very, very fascinating. Despite being extremely white, I'm not English, so I can't contribute. (laughs) (laughs) You're the cool type of white. (laughs) I'm olive skinned. (laughs) I come from Luigi's Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Drew. Please. No, it's fine. It's fine. That was a great tangent. I liked it. Oh, thank you. So where was I? I'm I'm actually just realizing I spelled doomsday like two different ways throughout this entire like summary. <laughs> you spelled the old English way. Or yeah, I spelled just... the old. I spelled it doomsday as in D O M, and then I spelled it as doomsday. <laughs> doomsday. I think they pronounced it as like domsday, but I was gonna say doomsday. it sounds like Close it's domsday. Yeah. Um, Close enough. Uh, oh, people were just absolutely silly back then. Just silly. <laughs> Spelling just words wrong. Silly. Come on. Domesday. Absolutely silly. My so, soul is leaving my body. My body. <laughs> absolutely silly. Oh, my God. So, so the Doomsday book contained entries concerning most of the towns present at the time. 
which made a lot of sense because you know the towns are where you're gonna find money and money means you can collect taxes on it money uh, means money <laughs> money means money um, yeah. so this this included customary agreements records of military service due of markets mints and so forth and which we'll actually get to later um and for the towns, the counties as a whole, and for many of the ancient lordships, the crown actually was entitled to archaic dues, such as honey. So it wasn't just money, it was also honey. Money, <laughs> honey. It's horrible. Money, honey. Um, but it was, you know, like pelts and, and all these archaic dues that, so that they, these miscellaneous dues that were owed to the crown. And so that I just found that also very interesting that it wasn't just purely money. It was just like, oh, you also have to give me a pound of honey, which... I don't think TurboTax would do for me right now. Oh my god! <laughs> I couldn't go the, oh, I gotta pay my my five pounds of honey to the king. Um, what if you didn't have honey? Well, well, if you didn't, it, it was just like taking note of what you have on your land, and then like, oh, oh the king, the king owes that, and like the king needs some of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, okay. He was basically shopping. Yeah, he was basically shopping and saying, like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this and a yeah, little bit of that. Bit yeah, that. yeah, a little of that. Yeah, well, so, it's his. So. <laughs> it's, oh, I mean, the, the whole, it, what I've also found, another thing I found interesting um, was the fact that the king owns all the land and you're just a tenant on it. You're not like, you don't own the land at all. This is just like, oh, I'm letting you live on my land. So that means you have to pay me. That's kind of the whole like point of taxation here was that like, you're living on my land. So yeah, you got to pay me, you got to pay up a little bit. So, you, you know, that's just kind of how it worked back then. Um, yeah again that's an interesting concept yeah it's just like you don't own land you can't be a landowner it's just like it's the king's land that you're living on um so the main questions that were answered by the survey were how many hundreds of hides were in the shire what what that sounds like a a shitty riddle yeah (laughs) how many hundreds of (laughs) hides were in the shire oh my god So what land the king himself owned, uh, what stock was upon the land, and what dues he was owed by the end of the year from the Shire. Um, it also recorded lands of uh, how much land his archbishops, his archbishops had, his diocesan bishops, which are like a lower version of an archbishop, his abbots and earls. It basically asked what or how much each man had, who was the occupier of the land, either in land or in stock, uh, sorry, either on the land or in stock, and how much money it was worth. So the primary purpose of the Doomsday Book was to just ascertain the national land tax, which is called the Geldum, ascertain um, miscellaneous dues, and determine what are the proceeds on the crown's land. So basically, how much money is there that I can tax? What else can I grab from them? And what are they producing in a year? So he wanted to just know all of that. And that's like the first census data, which I found very, very interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. And they didn't just record at like specifically at the time of the survey, they did, they estimated the value, they did like a national valuation, estimating the annual value of the land at four points. So they estimated it at the, at the Edward the Confessor's death. They estimated it um, when the new owners received the land, they estimated it at the time of the survey, and then they also did a future, future estimate of the land value. And so it wasn't just like one point in time they said, well, how much is this land going to be in the future? And so I found that very interesting that it was, you know, this this land wasn't just purely um, like now, here and now, what's it worth? It's like what in the future, how much is this going to be worth? 
And, you know, the whole point of the survey was to just find the king potential funds when he needed to raise money. That's just like the whole point of it was just like, you know, where can I tax the crap out of whenever I need money? That's wild. And so, Shit. yeah, it's wild. And so um, in the Middle Ages, the book's evidence was frequently invoked in the court of law. So if you were said, you know, if it, if it was like um, a land dispute or something, the uh, the court of law would frequently use the book and say, well, this person owns this land and this person owns this land. So, you know, there's no dispute here. It's just like, this is it. I um, wonder for how many generations that held up. Well, I have an answer for you because it was used in 2010. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. Yes, it was used gosh. in 2010 to help a dispute in sporting rights, deer and fox hunting, and used in 2019 to help a dispute in financial markets. Are you serious? So, wow. so even today, the Doomsday Book is involved to settle land rights. So, yes, wow. that it's... But, it's and like the on. land rights, is it people from the actual workers of the land, their generations claiming the land, saying, no, the, the crown doesn't own it? Or is it the crown saying, I think it's ours now? I don't think it's the crown saying it's ours now. I think it's more of I, I didn't read any of the court records. Well, I, I read a little bit of them. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if it was the crown been like <laughs> mine. It's like after so long, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I I assume it's probably something of like this person owns this land through their family, this person owns this land through their family. This like this group has the rights to to do their sport hunting on this land versus another mm. group having this, the right here. So I think it's it's going all the way back to then. I think it might have just been a reach, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go all the way back to the Doomsday book to to well, get I census mean, data. To be fair, if I had generational land that my family had owned since the 1000s. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if if I found somebody hunting fox on my property and they were like this isn't yours, I'd be like Honey, oh. since William the Conqueror, <laughs> like, let me pull out the book. Yeah. <laughs> let me pull out the Doomsday Book. Yeah, <laughs> like my family paid for, for <laughs> this. Know. We were taxed for this. <laughs> yeah. So That's yeah, fascinating the, though. Yeah, the the Doomsday Book. It pulled me in with the really cool name. And that's why I originally clicked on it, but it turned out to be something completely different than I expected. But I will say it was very interesting learning about how this survey was used to just like establish taxation throughout the United Kingdom at such an early point. It's like 1086, like, come on, that's, that's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's a little bit about the Doomsday Book. It's that amazing. So I'm interested, I, so did you look at any of the pages? Did you like open it and view it for yourself? There, uh, there's like little snippets of the pages themselves on the Wikipedia article. So yeah, I saw, I saw a few of the pages, and they just like, they're just like tons of writing. <laughs> it wasn't, I... <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't super interesting. Like it wasn't a, like an art book or anything. It wasn't like you know those right, fancy. No, I know. I just, just like. You... <laughs> I love that you clicked on a book and you're like, there's tons of writing. In here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I meant it wasn't like a fancy art book. Like they didn't have. At least from the pages that I saw, it didn't seem like they did like these fanciful drawings. You know those medieval drawings. Yeah. You know. It's <laughs> a bunch of bunch of words in this book. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
so I um, I'm interested because just completely uh, separately or sort of off topic, um, I find names from that period of time so fascinating. Or just how interesting is it? Yeah. Just the name William is thousands of years. Old. <laughs> yeah. Or Edward. Yeah. So I was just wondering if you looked at it and saw like any funny names. No, no. I, mean, <laughs> I actually didn't look for that. I just I. I kind of looked at it. I was like, okay, it's a book with a bunch of words. It's a bunch of w- book with words in it. I don't like it didn't that. have pictures. Drew didn't <laughs> like it. didn't it. have pictures. I don't like it. <laughs> this book doesn't have pictures in Come on. <laughs> yeah, especially because of the spelling back then, I would be interested to know like, if people had really weird sounding names with the spelling. <laughs> you know, Who like, knows? I don't know. I just I'm thinking of like Beowulf and like all of the names in Beowulf. Just... There probably would have been would have been a heap of people who didn't know how to spell their own names either fully. Like who right. were just like everything was verbal, and so they had to trust yeah. that these scribes were writing it down correctly. Imagine if you got a spelling error. I Dude, think... I mean, like even so, my my family immigrated here from, or part of my family immigrated here from Italy. Mm-hmm. And um, when I've done my own ancestry sort of looking, um, I have to be so careful when I'm looking through the census because their accent comes through on the census because they're just saying their names and they're saying, you know, like their their jobs or, or statistics or whatever. They're saying it out loud to the people who are writing the census. And like I in reading like some of my family's like own census information, I can hear their accent. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so, so cool. So they spell it yeah. the way they say it. Yeah, it's so like phonetically one of almost. my like my my grandfather, my mom's father, their last name is Esposito. Mm-hmm. But I guess the Italian pronunciation was more like Esposito. And <laughs> whoever was writing the census spelled it like a S P O, you know, and the rest of it instead of E S. Oh, wow. And so like little things like that, um, or people's, so, so somebody in my family's name was Vito. So V I T O. Well, Mm -hmm. somebody in the census started spelling it one year as W I T T O. Oh, Vito. Vito. Yeah. So I, I imagine that like my ancestors had this really heavy accent that was really hard to understand. So I'm sure that local dialects or, you know, accents probably did. Probably are coming through the doomsday. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. <laughs> well, it's all online, so you can you can read it to your heart's content. That is really awesome. There you go. You need a baby ma- name? Go to the doomsday book. Go to the doomsday <laughs> Top 10 doomsday names from 1086. <laughs> yes, put it on BuzzFeed. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally oh my god. That is freaking awesome. sweet. Thank you for taking us down doomsday lane, Drew. That was awesome. Okay. So if I'm going to talk to you guys about Augury, so I guess maybe I should say what Augury is. Augury is the study not even really the study, I guess, but the observation of birds and omens that come from birds. Oh, shit. That is really different to what I thought it was going to be. Because I have a spell. I have a spell in D&D called Augury. 
and the and way that I use it, it in D and D, my character has like bones that she jiggles, and then the bones like it's almost like reading tea leaves. So augury and, is a form of divination. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So it, so it is very similar. Um, the ancient Greeks. I'm pretty. Was it the Odyssey or the Iliad? I actually think it was the Iliad. Um, mentions explicitly um, the use of augury. So this was something in ancient Greece and ancient Rome that was actually, I guess, I don't know if we would call it a science, but it was something that was um, actually an, an important part of life and, and really central to making big decisions, especially if you were going to war. Wow. Um, so was it a bit wow, like yeah. a, an ancient vibe check? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so it because I think it comes from the idea that or I know it comes from because I read the wiki article <laughs> uh, <laughs> comes from the idea that the gods or the cosmos or you know higher entities are, are talking to you through symbols which I guess is kind of at the root of all forms of divination mm-hmm. and so the idea of um, augury or um, ornithomancy which is also related to birds comes from the idea that uh birds are in the sky obviously um close to heavens like the heavens or or the gods and so they are sort of messengers in that sense but also their behaviors um reveal something about um the gods uh wills usually Mm -hmm. i think in ancient greece or ancient rome it's related to zeus slash jupiter um and his will cool yeah yeah so i I wanted to get you guys thinking. You don't need to answer right away, but I wanted to get you guys thinking if you've seen any birds today and what those birds were so that I can tell your fortune based on Ooh. those birds. But while you're thinking about it, I'm going to keep explaining a little bit more of what augury is. So coming back to Plato, actually, Plato writes about augury uh, quite a little bit, and he notes specifically that the sacrificial uh, reading of a bird's liver uh, called hep- hepatoscopy. <laughs> um, hepatoscopy was uh, held in higher prestige. So there is kind of a hierarchy in divination methods and which ones are more reliable. So, so even though we can catch and kill a bird. Yeah, you need to rip a bird open to really wow. get the full <laughs> message. But if you uh, observe a bird's behavior, particularly their song or the way that they're flying in the sky, that still tells you something about the god's will. Right. Um, so something I didn't know that I found very interesting was that the word auspicious, like, you know, that means um, having to do with some kind of divine meaning or divine origins if something is auspicious then um, you hold it in high regard or um, it is holy to you in some way that actually comes from the word augury it's the same latin root auspicious oh really cool cool. yeah it literally translates in latin um auspicium auspicium um and auspects translate translate to uh one who who looks at birds so auspicious comes from the practice of augury when we describe something as auspicious. Interesting. Don't, don't laugh, but all I can think of when you say auspicious is that the office quote where it's like, I'm not superstitious, I'm just a little superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little auspicious. 
I'm auspicious. Auspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not auspicious. I'm just a little auspicious. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. What I, Please continue. One of my favorite little like tidbits, though, was... Um, so thousands of years um, BC, people are, are using this as a form of decision making. And I love that there was this little quote in the um, Wikipedia article that in the 14th century BC, there was a diplomatic correspondence that uh, I think was discovered in Egypt, actually, where the king of Alasia in Cyprus needed an eagle diviner to be sent from Egypt. Um, so quite literally, somebody in Greece was like, "Hey, we need we need someone we, to read eagles. <laughs> we need an eagle up in this shit." Yeah, like someone can you like let me contact Egypt for their best <laughs> eagle reader. <laughs> we oh need someone. Um, and so right, so I was mentioning that this is also present in the uh, in the Iliad. So the bird diviner uh, of Agamemnon is specifically mentioned in the Iliad. And uh, this is also the place where Plato says mm, a better thing to do would actually be to uh, read their en- entrails. That would actually be um, better. But uh, something I really didn't know, because I remembered this from the Iliad when I read it like forever ago. And um, that was the moment where I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm into that. Like, if I could do anything, I would want to read birds. But um, what I didn't know was that this was also connected to the foundations of Rome. So Romulus and Remus when they were founding Rome, of course, historically, uh, they, because, you know, it may not be true that Romulus and Remus ever existed, but this is legend, uh, they fought over where Rome should be. And we obviously know that Romulus won this argument because it is named Rome, not mm-hmm. Reem. <laughs> but <whatever>. Reem. <laughs> Imagine a parallel universe. Where are you going on holiday? Yes, I'm going to romantic Reem. Reem. <laughs> Ancient Reem. <laughs> so what happened was uh, they they each had a different idea of where Rome should be. And uh, they, they decided to settle their argument by saying, we're going to sit on the ground separately <laughs> and we're going to count vultures. And it would be auspicious. Uh, whoever the- saw it. Huh? What was the goal? To see who, whoever. So what they basically said was like, you know, I want Rome to be here or I want Reem to be here. And uh, whoever is the most in line with the gods wills is whoever is correct or whoever we should follow. So they, they each had their own idea. They sat down and then they decided to, to say, okay, gods, like now you weigh in on the conversation. So like, and did, did the bird have to go to them or did they just have to spot it? I think they just had to spot it. But if they're sitting in the same area, shouldn't they see the same birds? I had the same thought, but for whatever reason, Remus only saw six vultures while Romulus saw 12. Do we think Romulus lied and was like, yep, yep, there were some vultures behind you there. They flew away. I'm not going to get us canceled by Romulus and Remus (laughs) (laughs) Hard to say. Hard to say. Well, it was a two again, two to one victory. So pretty convincing. Yeah, yeah. Statistically, um, Romulus was was way more in the gods' favor uh, because he saw more vultures. So 
I thought it was interesting to think of or to, to talk about some of the ways that signs could be interpreted from the gods. And so um, sometimes just divining from the sky itself was enough of a message that we don't even need to wait for birds. So you may be familiar with the idea that um, Jupiter or Zeus is famous for throwing lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you were about to make a major life decision or you were about to go to war and thunder and lightning like ensued, like there was a thunderstorm, that was a direct, like no birds required. You should know directly from Zeus's mouth or from Zeus's thunderbolt hands himself. Like that is a bad idea. Oh my Hmm. God. Imagine (laughs) if it was just a really wet season with lots of storms. Everything was a bad idea. (laughs) yeah every idea you have is absolute shit (laughs) so um sometimes birds weren't were predicated by the by the weather actually but then there were two main ways of identifying messages from birds and so i was alluding this to, to this earlier when i was saying it could be the way they fly or the way that they sing and so i wrote down that the birds that were looked at or um okay i guess i should say it like this what was interesting was depending on the bird you would read their their signals differently so for example a raven or a crow you would pay attention to the way that they sing while an eagle or a vulture you would pay attention to the way that they fly so these birds had different intrinsic qualities to them that would make them um predicators for different different things different aspects of their lives so the two main branches of augury were the singing birds called the Ossines and the flying birds called the elites and um, the singing birds that you would look out for are ravens crows owls and hens and then as I said before the ones that fly that you would pay attention to are eagles and vultures okay that's cool. yeah um, but what I loved was then they go another step further and they say, okay, like you've got weather, you've got birds. So what's like the next tier of s- symbolism that you would pay attention to? And the wiki article says that you could start to look at four-legged animals now for, <laughs> for symbols, <laughs> which is great. Now let's just be as inclusive as possible. But I love <laughs> that one of the examples is basically like, if you find a cow in an unusual location, <laughs> that is the will of the gods. <laughs> so, wow. so, so really, it's no stretch to say that a form of orthonomancy is that if you find a horse or a wolf somewhere that you don't expect... <laughs> What about my dog? She looks like a horse. And she's if always, she is some... <laughs> always in places we don't expect. <laughs> that You should pay attention to that, Sarah. That is, that is what I've learned from this. It's the will she... of the god. Yet Zeus is trying to tell you something. Every <laughs> oh, time he goodness. puts Lucy in the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Um, something that I found extremely interesting that I wasn't expecting is that there is also a form of orthonomancy uh, that has to do with the dance of birds. But this this isn't even like a mating dance or anything like that. It is yeah. actually um, 
the way that birds get excited when they're about to eat. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so what people used to do, it was tradition. Um, and in fact, I think uh, Cicero or Cicero, depending on how you pronounce your Latin, uh, Cicero wrote about this actually um, a little uh, extensively, I think, um, about the, the sacred dance of birds. And what was very interesting was that if you were a like military captain of some sort, or if you were high up in the military, you actually kept your own cages of chickens. And hmm. the idea was that if, I, sorry, so there was actually a particular keeper of the auspice chickens. This was like someone's job. And uh, before you would go into battle or before you would make any major decision or go on any expedition, you would release these chickens and throw at them bread or cake. Okay. And the way that the kit, the kitchens, the way that the chickens reacted to the food would tell you whether or not your military campaign was going to be successful. So if they, uh, if they cried or flapped their wings really violently or refused to eat, you were fucked. Like, don't do that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, but if if the chicken specifically came to eat and food dropped out of its mouth, that's a good thing. <laughs> what? Hmm. But I feel like chickens are really messy eaters. Like, food okay. always drops. I f- yeah, I guess it was always a good time if you had a mis- messy eating chicken. I I think Yes. And I think that maybe maybe it's not that the chicken's a messy eater, but you're just actually a very good military um, oh, yes. person. Strategist? Strat- yes, actually, yes. Maybe it says more about you as a military strategist than the chicken being a messy eater. Mm, I definitely doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, I would be the worst strategist. So... Uh, what I found uh, also slightly interesting was that there is apparently a uh, children's nursery rhyme that I've never heard before, but I sent Drew last week a particularly cursed YouTube video. <laughs> of <laughs> My God. <laughs> which I will put on the Twitter. Um, what is it? For some oh, reason, some company in, I, I'm assuming this is a company in China, put together a mambo <laughs> mambo inspired <laughs> nursery rhyme no. based on unorthonomancy <laughs> <laughs> but the nursery rhyme is called one for sorrow one for sorrow oh, no. <laughs> and so i'd never heard this but the nursery rhyme goes one for sorrow two for joy three for a girl four for a boy five for silver six for gold Seven for a secret never to be told. I, not, I have never not a bad, not a bad rhyme. No, very <laughs> ominous though. And seeing these like weird cherub children <laughs> dance to this and to like crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's you know again like the mambo music just makes it somehow <laughs> so much worse. Like the yes. first, at the first, I was like, "Why is this like a weird Mambo Number no. Five ripoff?" <laughs> and then I like read the title was literally like Mambo Style. I don't know. I don't know why we're doing Mambo this cultural style. fusion. <laughs> 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 so 
so I will absolutely send it to you guys. Um, it's horrifying, but I think what's what's so interesting about it underneath the several layers of perhaps the uncanny valley coming back to this is that um, this this song is about counting magpies. Um, oh, okay. So if you count magpies, it's it's almost like that. You know, she loves me, she loves me not thing with petals. Um, if you count the number of magpies, it can tell your fortune. And so that's one for sorrow, two for joy, so on and so forth. Um, and this has actually been used in art. Um, I guess it was ubiquitous or well-known enough that there are, um, for example, like paintings of Jesus with the Virgin Mary that show one magpie in the image and one for sorrow, presumably alluding oh. to the fact that Jesus is going to die. Oh, yeah, so um, starts in the Iliad, but comes all the way through even like some medieval art, I think is some of the example here. And uh, apparently well known enough that YouTube nursery rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> nursery rhymes has it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, pretty fucked. But uh, I was wondering what birds have you guys seen today? Let's, let's tell your fortune about your day. Okay. Um, I um, have you thought of any? I haven't seen any birds, but I've heard a lot of birds chirping Ooh. out in the trees. And I think you... I definitely heard like a dove doing a little <gasps> okay. sound. Let's see. Um, and then there's I... some like noisy miners, I think, as well. Okay. So, Sarah, perhaps perfect for you, doves specifically are associated with ghosts, holy <gasps> spirits, and the afterlife. Ooh. So I wonder if this is like a ghostly uh, ghostly presence, maybe, towards your house? Not sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, that, that is fun. I'm guessing it would probably be like a ghost dog, because we're on... We're at Simon's parents' house and they built it from scratch. And so the only things that have died here are, are dogs from from their childhood. Oh, wow. But they well, were very, very beloved doggos. Lucy and Sam it, and Piper. It looks like according to, I'm looking at several articles now, one of which is otherworldlyoracle.com. Oh, yes, very reliable <laughs> source. <laughs> um that doves are usually uh, linked to holiness, guardian spirits, and they, according to the ancient Hebrews, were believed to be appropriate for sacrifice. So it <laughs> seems like if you need a sacrifice, you've got some in your backyard. Oh, good. I'll, I'll think about that whenever we need, <laughs> whenever we need a yeah. sacrificial bird. When you've run out in your pantry, yeah. that might be a really good substitute. Good, good. Uh, what, about, what about Drew's fortune? Let's see. What bird did I see? Do you want like a specific species? Uh, no, 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 no. Any birds that you've seen? Well, I guess, yeah, you could be as general or specific as, as is convenient. Because I saw a tufted titmouse t this morning. Fucking what? hell. How do tufted titmouses always find their way into my life? <laughs> what is a tufted titmouse? It's a bird. <laughs> it's a bird? Let me, I have to see what it looks like. It's 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 got a little afro, not afro. It's got Tufted, a little mohawk. How do you spell it? Like tit. T u f. Mouse? Oh, like a yeah. tit mouse. Yeah. 
That's right. Oh <laughs> my god, they're so cute. They got a little mohawk going on. Oh, they're little badasses, little badass birds. So it flew uh, from my upstairs neighbor's like little, I wouldn't call it a porch, but like porchy area. Yeah. Down the down the stairs, landed, looked at me, and then flew away. Oh, so he basically he made eye contact with. Yes. You. Yeah. So Drew, according to AuntieFlow.com slash Magic slash Titmouse, <laughs> go on. <laughs> oh my god. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start even a little bit before the actual. The titmouse possesses an enormous sound quality, despite its size, and sending us a message about the influence of smaller things. Remember the story in the Bible about David and Goliath. The mm-hmm. titmouse also wants us to realize that size is not a factor in a real battle. Titmouse is also telling us to express our opinion, no matter how small that insight is. Those around you need your advice. It may not seem like it, but they are just waiting for you to pinpoint your opinion. You may be working on a huge project right now, and your colleagues are not seeing much cooperation from you. Don't disappoint them. There is a chance that a small opinion is just the answer they are waiting for. (laughs) You got the lady, Drew. I am working on a large project. (laughs) The tit knows all. So, Sarah, I feel so bad that that was such a detailed one. So I am also going to ask Auntie Flo slash Magic what slash Dove has in store. Oh, okay. I get like a full astrology vibe reading. I like that. Yeah. So, oh, man, this is a little bit too detailed. So, Drew, marinate on that for a moment. I I am marinating in it. (laughs) Think about how you're contribution may be needed and maybe that's why that tip mouse made eye contact with you maybe so there are so many options of what a dove could mean particularly at a wedding particularly uh in memory i guess that this has to do with people who have passed away coming back to the idea of spirits um but a dove will show up as a spirit guide. So maybe this dove is visiting you when you need peace in your life or when you need to understand the communication between two worlds. Oh, maybe I'm sending myself a message from a parallel universe. It, it says it could be that you need to be more understanding. Oh. Oh, okay. I can work on that. So maybe it's, yeah, parallel universe you saying you need to consider parallel universe me more often. Okay, I can work on that. Maybe it was about the aliens. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be more understanding. You should be more understanding about aliens. (laughs) Uh, I'll work on it, I'll work on it. (laughs) But it, it says kind of equivalently that you can call on this dove as a spirit guide so you're not really alone like you it sounds Mm. like you can ask this dove in your backyard to to be your guide when you need communication between the two worlds to exist a little bit more fluidly okay i'll give it a go we'll see where we where we end up (laughs) fantastic i'm glad 
love that growth for you. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know I was going to get told my fortune by a bird today. So that was that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so I today saw a pigeon. What does that mean? I have definitely also uh, heard some pigeons outside. Maybe I mistaked the the dove noise for a fat pigeon noise. <laughs> they are very related. They um, are. Pigeons are pigeons. just classy. I mean, uh, trashy doves. I love pigeons. Me too. I think they're underrated. I, I agree. Um, Actually, I, I did a whole TikTok on pigeons earlier this week because someone had said that they love pigeons and I'm like, yes, yes, you should love pigeons because pigeons are one of the only birds um, along with some other really smart boys that pass the um, the mirror test. So if you put a sticker on something's head and ensure a mirror, can it figure out that the thing in the mirror is itself and get the sticker oh. off its head? And only very few animals can actually do that. That is so cool. Yeah. So yeah, Damn. please go. Please go on with what your pigeon sighting means. So pigeons are apparently seen, according to learnbirdwatching.com slash birds that bring good luck. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> pigeons are often seen as symbols of good luck and wealth. Um, hmm. That's so nice. Apparently, predominantly, the, the symbol is luck. According to this website, through American and European culture, pigeons have been associated with good luck. And in Christianity, it was believed that when Noah's Ark landed, uh, I cannot pronounce that, so when Noah's Ark landed, uh, the first bird to set foot on dry land was a pigeon. Huh. Hmm. I did not know that. I, like I did not know that either. In like Hinduism, birds, it is... Birds it didn't is, need the Ark. Well, they could have got really tired if they didn't have the Ark. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. What does it mean in Hinduism? Uh, in Hinduism, it is bad luck to kill a pigeon. Because I think yeah, bad luck <laughs> to really kill anything. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, I think, so especially, it's interesting that pigeons and white, white birds are kind of grouped together. So both on this and otherworldlyoracle.com it seems that in both cases maybe they just plagiarized each other uh <laughs> pigeons and doves <laughs> are synonymous for uh peace and so if you kill them then you are kind of inviting those bad vibes yeah that that would make sense yeah so That's sounds really like cool. i'm gonna get rich sarah's gonna see a ghost and drew <laughs> needs to be more shouldn't vocal disappoint at work. <laughs> shouldn't disappoint his friends I think Drew got the hardest lesson out of all of us. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry, Drew. (laughs) Don't fuck up. (laughs) I'm going to get rich, but you don't fuck up. You don't fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, now you know a little bit of Augury. And if you uh, see any of these... If you see any birds, apparently you should be Googling whatever they mean. And what I love, I can't remember what website it's on, but I, I kept jumping around different websites to see, uh, you know, what certain birds mean. And there was this one website, I, I can't remember which one it was, but people kept submitting questions about specific birds, like very specific birds. And literally every answer is, yeah, that could be a sign. <laughs> <laughs> 
So no matter what, it, it's a sign. No matter what. And she, like, never offered, like, what it could mean. She was just, <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, that could be a sign. Or, like, she would straight up be like, did it feel like it was important? And it's like, I, these, <laughs> these people are writing to you. Like, <laughs> it's really oh useless. God. So I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> did this feel important? it's like a really bad life coach yeah it was almost like she just kept turning the question around on them like ooh that could mean something you should look into that (laughs) (laughs) but you're the one who's supposed to help me look into that yeah you should (laughs) yeah that's that's my passion that was that was wonderful I loved it looking at birds (laughs) Out the awesome. inside so of we birds. had we had <laughs> birds, doom, and death. Good combo. <laughs> Destiny. Destiny. And Destiny. good good segue. Maybe it's our our listeners' destiny to follow us on all of our socials <laughs> to never miss any of our shenanigans. They can follow us on Twitter, which is Lindsay. Go ask Alice Pod. And they can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikToks at Go Ask Alice Podcast. And I think we might be launching our Patreon soonish. We can try to do our After Dark Alice <laughs> for all of the, all of the naughty subjects that that shouldn't be discussed in polite company. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, Drew is so keen. <laughs> so ready. I am so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, so much for hanging out with us. As always, we want to know why. <laughs> so definitely reach out. Definitely hang out with us. We are always looking to make new friends. Thanks for learning something with us today, and we will see you very soon. Bye. Bye. Go ass, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one knows who we are. <laughs> <laughs>